Hello and welcome back to Bad Apple. I'm Helen and I'm Riley. And we do ballet together. Yes. In case you didn't know. If you didn't already know. That's another of our pursuits. Yes. And this case was recommended to us by our lovely ballet teacher Jane. Shout out Jane. Love you Jane. We know you listen. She inspires me every day. Yeah. And she remembers it being on the news when she was growing up in New Zealand. So we thought, ah, got to do it. Mhm. We took on the challenge. Yeah. It ended up being quite challenging. It's definitely one of the smaller cases that we've researched and written about. Not that much info. I really had to dig into the depths of the internet mm. to find things. One of those ones that turn up like two pages of Google search results. Yeah, exactly. Or it's straight up sometimes it's just like, did you mean and just suggest something completely different? Right. Did that a couple of times. I was like, no, I didn't. I didn't. I meant what I said. And you said what you meant. And I said exactly what I meant. But you're somewhat of a private agent now. Yeah. Available for hire. Yeah, I'm a gun for hire, baby. <laughs> I'm pretty good at uh finding things out, you know? Trawling through the forums. Mm. Right. Well, shall we share all the info you found on this case? Yeah, let's go. So, on the 14th of February 1992, workmen who were walking through Keith Hay Park at Mount Roskill in Auckland alerted police to the body of a young woman at the bottom of a drainage canal which ran through the park. That's one of those like concrete long ditches, like a big gutter. Yeah. Or somewhat like a river almost, but it's concrete. Yeah. Yeah. Police estimated that the woman was approximately 20 years old based on her physical maturity. Her body was face down in the drain which was about 8 meters deep but only contained around 18 inches or 50 centimeters of water and was muddy at the bottom. The body was photographed face down before being turned over and photographed again. The woman was naked from the waist up. She was wearing underwear which was still intact. maroon track pants which were inside out only one sock on her right foot and she had a shoelace on the same ankle the rest of her clothing was not with her and police did not attempt to locate it so what happened to it remains a mystery at this stage the death was being treated as suspicious and a potential homicide despite the death being suspicious there is a suggestion that the way the police handled the body and the collection of other evidence indicated that it wasn't being taken as seriously as it should have for example once the body was removed from the scene a relatively junior constable was given the task of accompanying the body to the mortuary which would have normally required more supervision under suspicious circumstances when the initial postmortem examination was carried out It wasn't carried out as it normally would be for a death under suspicious circumstances. The constable who had accompanied the body to the mortuary was no longer present for the examination, as he said he had got word before the postmortem began that he was not required, as it was obvious that drowning was the cause of death and it was no longer suspicious. Sounds like he got word that he wanted a lunch break, an extended lunch break. Maybe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he's new. You can get hungry in the, in a, in a mortuary more so than other places? Yeah, I think like because it's cold. That and because some of the like chemicals that they use for like preservation can like make you really hungry, which is weird because you're 
around. How do you know this? Because when they use like um, cadavers in like uni, mm-hmm. they get you get really hungry if you have to sit there with a cadaver for three hours. That's such a concerning feeling. It would be concerning, I'd be wouldn't like, it? Why am I starving? Yeah, looking, oh God. looking at this person. No, nah, no. Nah. Yeah. Oh, fair, fair enough. So maybe he did. No, nah, I'm just half joking, half hypothesizing. Mm. Maybe he actually got told by a higher up that he wasn't needed anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. But I was glad to learn that fact. Yeah. Fun fact. Thank you. Further, there was no police photographer present for the examination, which would normally be required for the investigation of a suspicious death. The photographer said he was called away as the examination was about to begin, and as a result, no photographs were taken. Despite the state of undress of the body, potentially pointing to some sort of sexual assault, there were no vaginal or anal swabs taken from the body. The cause of death was established as a drowning, and the status of the investigation was confirmed as being a non-suspicious sudden death, an accident. Two days later, on February the 16th, the young woman's body had still not been identified. Police had hoped that someone would report her missing, but no one had come forward. So they returned to the mortuary to take photographs of the victim to publish in a media release in the hope of identifying her. While taking these photographs, police noticed numerous injuries on the upper arms, chest and torso of the body, including bruises, abrasions and other markings on the shoulders and breasts and scratches on her elbows and back. She also had a small cut over her right eye and a four centimetre bruise on the right side of her head. The photos, which were taken for the purpose of identification, are the only photos that exist of the victim which detail the new injuries identified during this second examination. So they still didn't get the photographer to come down and actually take proper pictures of them. Fortunately, the media release did lead to the identification of the body two days later, on the 18th of February. The girl was identified as Agnes Ali Ivaa, who was sadly only 12 years old, not 20 like the police initially suspected. Agnes's mother, who identified her, had not realised that her daughter was even missing because she'd been in hospital with her terminally ill mother. Given their tumultuous relationship, Agnes's mother couldn't provide police with much information about her daughter's whereabouts on the night she died or who she'd been associating with in the days leading up to her death. I reckon I'll say this now. I grew up with enough Pacific Island, Maori, Samoan people. Mm Mm-hmm. That I understand, I guess, uh, especially with the boys, they grow up quick and they grow up big, right? But there is still a difference between an overdeveloped 12-year-old girl, Mm. like, ahead of the normal, like, puberty curve or whatever, and a 20-year-old woman, you know? I refuse to believe that this 12-year-old girl, even if she was more developed, upon closer inspection, could still be, like, convincingly a 20-year-old woman. Yeah. Definitely. I feel like, yeah, you can't ignore the fact that she was a young Samoan woman and what kind of, like, biases was a probably predominantly white police force bringing into the investigation. Yeah. Yes, I wouldn't be quick to, like, believe that she actually looked like a 20-year-old woman. I think they just, they might have just jumped a bit there. Anyway, that's just my hot take. Agnes was a regular 12-year-old girl. She had lots of friends and loved shopping and music. She was also very bright and a good student. 
One of her teachers at Balmoral School in Mount Eden said that she was a conscientious pupil. She said, quote, "She expressed herself very well. Her coordination and physical skills were superb. She loved playing volleyball. She was in touch with her religion. She kept a Bible in her school desk and liked to sing in the choir of the Samoan church she attended every Sunday." However, it seems that not all aspects of her life were so positive. Agnes's home life was far from ideal for a young girl. Her mother moved to New Zealand from Samoa in the hopes of a better life, but instead faced significant hardship as she tried to raise a large family with welfare as her only source of income. When she was ten, Agnes left the family home with her twin sister Annie and moved in with a pastor from their church to take the pressure off her mother. This only lasted eighteen months before they were removed from the care of the pastor, after allegations of sexual abuse. These allegations were never pursued in court, but later the same pastor was convicted and jailed for sexual offences against another fourteen-year-old girl from his congregation. So it doesn't look too good for him. Literally, tale as old as time. Yeah. While she was taken out of the care of the pastor, Agnes wasn't provided with another place to live. Except to go back to her mother's, Agnes lived as a runaway for a few months, where she didn't have a stable or consistent place to live. After this, she did move back in with her mother, but their relationship worsened. Agnes started leaving home in the evenings to wander through the streets. She would jump from her window at about 10 p.m. and wouldn't return until the early hours of the morning. On the 13th of February 1992, so the day before her body was discovered. This is what Agnes had been doing. She had left her home in the evening, but didn't come back. By the time Agnes was identified, the postmortem had already concluded that the death was an accidental drowning. You would think that the new information about Agnes's background, especially her age, would be enough for police to reclassify the death as suspicious, but they didn't. Instead, a coronial inquest begins on the 30th of April, 1992. This inquest confirms the finding of the original coroner that Agnes's death was an accidental drowning. Naturally, this outcome didn't sit well with Agnes's family, who continued to campaign for another inquiry into her death. In March 1993, a barrister acting for Agnes's mother and sister wrote to the Police Complaints Authority, alleging that the police had neglected their duty in carrying out the investigation. These allegations were followed up by the authority. But after there was no reply from Agnes's family into whether they wanted an inquiry, police didn't look any further. This probably isn't that uncommon or unusual. Legal matters are often dropped partway through all the time. There's money, time, trauma. People don't want to do it anymore. Which we, those first two, we already know are an issue with her family because it was a large family and they weren't, they didn't have a lot of money. Exactly. So. So checks out. Does check out. Nonetheless, three years later, in 1996, there was an internal inquiry into the police handling of the investigation, which highlighted a number of failures, including a failure to complete a proper scene examination, a failure to photograph the body at the mortuary prior to the postmortem, no proper samples taken from the body for ESR, which is erythrocyte sedimentation rate. Which can indicate things like anemia, infection, pregnancy, and age. Yeah, according to a quick Google. Yeah, I did think it was strange they couldn't tell her age. I thought it could be more, it could be more specific than that. 
mm. without the modern age of medicine yeah, in I mean, 1992. Yeah, surely. But there was no ESR taken. Right, if they did one of those. Might have been able to tell them. Mm. Once it was determined that the cause of death was drowning, the fire was downgraded despite the marks on the body and the state of undress, it was assumed that the cord marks on the shoulder were caused by a jacket draw cord without any confirmation. It was also assumed that the other injuries were caused when she fell from a car, rather than gaining the opinion of the pathologist, who during this review said that they were inconsistent with this and that was corroborated by other pathologists. Her clothing was destroyed by mortuary staff. No proper follow-up inquiries were made and that the state of undress should have been sufficient to investigate further. After this review, New Zealand police apologised to Agnes's family for the mistakes made during the investigation, but no disciplinary action was taken against any of the investigating officers. Truly a plethora of failures. Yeah. Or mishandling. It how, wasn't... how could it have gone this badly? Why would you destroy the clothes? Yeah, I'm at a loss for... I don't even... How can it... I don't they understand. Did, they didn't even try, almost. It's their actual job. It's they actually if, have yeah. one job. Yeah, as if they rocked up and they were like, let's do this the worst way we can. Yeah. It was the only way I could explain this. Exactly. What? It almost was like, maybe it was a little bit too hard basket. What does that mean? Like, it was just too hard, so they were just like, oh, well. Hard basket? The too hard basket. Haven't you ever heard of that? No. Oh, well. Welcome. Another slang word for you. What bas- What basket is hard? Like, it, you put it in the too hard basket. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Do you get it? I get it now. <laughs> yeah. No, I would have gotten it originally. Yeah, you're just I like, thought, like, oh. hard basket was a concept. Oh, no. It's <laughs> literally just a basket <laughs> for where the you hard put things, things that are too hard. Okay, yeah, no, yeah. I get it now. So maybe they did that, you know. There was no witnesses, no one identified her. They were just like, oh. I guess so, but it's like New Zealand. People don't often turn up like this often. You're right. Especially young women. Young women. Like, wouldn't it? Someone alive in 92. Jane, (laughs) explain to us. What was the, how did this? How did this fly? And this attitude as well. They didn't Mm. even, they didn't charge anyone. They were just Mm -hmm. like, sorry. Yeah, they they didn't look into any of the officers. Mm. The following year in August of 1997, Another coronial inquest takes place. This time, Agnes's family received a little more development on the circumstances surrounding Agnes's death and the police investigation. The coroner held that Agnes died as the result of drowning under suspicious circumstances rather than accidentally. The coroner also took the opportunity to comment on the investigation, saying that, quote, For reasons which I do not pretend to understand, the first police inquiry was downgraded from a suspicious death immediately after the cause of death was established to be drowning. The reasons that the inquiry was downgraded are beyond the scope of this inquiry, although they are subject to further investigation by the PCA, the Police Complaints Authority. The bit where he says, I do not pretend to understand, same. Us. Literally us. I'm yeah. not pretending to understand either. Mm-mm. Following this coronial inquest, a report further detailing the failings of the investigation was completed by the PCA. The report begins by saying the decision not to investigate on the basis of a suspicious death did not satisfy the family of the deceased or a number of junior members involved in the case. Who are these junior members? I think they mean, um, like, the junior constables. I think, like, when 
they were getting told like, oh, just don't worry about being there for the postmortem. Don't worry about getting photos, whatever. A bit later on, a few of them went and talked to the PCA during their inquiries and were oh. like, they were like, oh, that didn't sit right with me, but I couldn't do anything about it because I was just a constable. Oh, right. Like that one that was told to yeah. depart. Yeah. Ah, I see. <laughs> Good on them. Yeah. The report went on to criticise the process of the investigation, particularly the hours after Agnes's body was found and the initial post-mortem examination. So, firstly, it seems that even before the result of the post-mortem was known, the officers in charge were inclined to the view that this was an accident, not a suspicious death inquiry. It is standard procedure in the criminal investigation manual to call a pathologist to the scene where the police are treating the death as suspicious, but this wasn't done in Agnes's case, indicating that the police at the scene didn't think that the death was suspicious. I just made the connection, I've been too embarrassed to say so far, that a pathologist takes blood. Yes. <laughs> they do other stuff too. Yeah, right. Yeah, they also take blood and look at, like, cells. For the first time. This is the first time I've heard of a, like, pathologist in a in any episode we've done. Maybe because it's the first time... One hasn't been there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, too. Normally they're just there and we just talk about the stuff they find. Yeah. There you go. I didn't even know. Hmm. They'd be finding stuff out. So this pathologist said that he got word before the postmortem commenced that drowning was the obvious cause of death, and as a result, he was not required. Which sounds similar, doesn't it, to that junior constable that got word that he could go to lunch. Someone was out spreading words. Someone was like, oh yeah, just go home. Secondly, during the postmortem, there was no police photographer present, and there were no vaginal or anal swabs taken. The report said that the condition of the victim's clothing and the circumstances of her discovery should have created immediate suspicion that she could have been the victim of a sexual assault. I feel like that is just so glaringly obvious. Dude, I don't even need to study to (laughs) criminology to tell you that. No. Yeah. Which, if we recall, inside out track pants, no top, like naked from the waist up. One sock. No shoes. And she drowned? Yeah, Bro. come on. We're going to get too riled up about yeah. this. We need to keep going. Finally, Agnes hadn't been identified at the time the investigation was downgraded, meaning that there was no evidence about her background or even her true age. Any of those factors that went into the police decision were purely assumptions. It was later established that Agnes had jumped from a slow-moving car at 10.15pm on the night of the 13th of February, and it was claimed that her other injuries were caused by this, and therefore not suspicious. But this can't have factored into the decision to downgrade because the driver of the car was not located and spoken to until five days after her body was found. So they didn't even know that she'd jumped out of this car until five days later. Yeah. Or at least they didn't know that until she was identified. But they still were like, oh, these injuries, that we, these scratches, oh well. Must just be wear and tear. Yeah. So when did this slow-moving car come into the picture and how? I don't have too much info on the slow-moving car because it's all kind of... All the things that filtered out into the press, the details were, like, very light. And was it only through these inquests? No. It was, like, during their investigation. I think once she was identified... Her sister might have been with her or someone was with her and saw her jump out of the car 
Right. And because everyone knows everyone in New Zealand, they were like, oh, it was right. such and such's car. I see. And but then they found the driver. not much published about There's it. There's not much published about it because I've, I guess normally in cases that we cover, we are getting a lot of our info from like what's come out in court, which is all, at least in Australia, public record. Mm. So we're able to like get pretty accurate facts. But because no one was ever charged here... There's, like, no information or barely anything. Right. You only go to court if there's actually someone to try to condemn. Yeah. I don't know why. That was actually common sense I just said there. But yeah. Other than that, if there's not, I guess that's where you have, like, a coronial inquest. Right. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. Which isn't intended to, like, assign blame or, like, take on a judicial function. Right. It's just there so, to, like, mm. inquire. Yeah. So they wouldn't have focused this much on the... That much on the, the car, no. the driver. No. Who seemed to have been cleared anyway because yeah. they spoke to him. Yeah. But maybe they just didn't ask enough questions. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, right. Overall, there was one thing which Judge Jane, who wrote the report, identified as standing out above the rest in terms of lapses in judgment. He said, The report failed to take due cognizance of a number of factors, but one stands out the state of the deceased's clothing. She was wearing only a pair of panties, a pair of track pants which were inside out, and one sock. She was naked from the waist up, and one sock and her footwear were missing. Yes, thank you, Judge Jane. Saying what we're all thinking. Yeah. Currently, the investigation into Agnes's death remains open, after it was reopened in 1996 following the internal inquiry. In 2016, police confirmed that the investigation was still open, but have not commented as to whether there have been any new tips or information received. There probably hasn't, let's be honest. And they probably haven't looked for anything. Yeah. I guess this was all, This was uh, almost 30 years ago. Yeah, so I guess she would have been, like, what, 42 or something? Mm-hmm. Her friends would all be around that age. Everyone's still around. Someone knows. Yeah. You're saying her sister was in the car with her? I don't think she was in the car. Oh, yeah, okay. Just I can't really say for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm, who like, knows? Like, was the car, how fast was it moving? Was it just, like, pulling away from the footpath and she didn't want to go so she jumped out? Or was it, like, fully driving down the street and she jumped out? Was it just mm. turning around and she jumped out? Why did she jump out? Why did she jump out? Was she kicked out? Was she already, like, in that state of clothing when she jumped out? Maybe. Did she... She was being attacked in the car. Who knows? Like, no one knows. And I guess we only ended up here because our ballet teacher saw it in the news when she was younger. Otherwise, we would never have heard of this case. Yeah. No way. It wouldn't have been on any, like, top 20 New Zealand crimes when I Googled that kind of shit, you know? No. And, like, when I was looking for it, no one else has ever covered it on a podcast. The only, like, media thing it's ever been in was this TV show called Sensing Murder, which is about this woman who communicates with spirits, mm-hmm. with ghosts. Did you watch it? I tr- actually tried really hard to watch it, but I couldn't. Oh, yeah. It was, I wasn't available anywhere. Right. But if anyone, someone sent me the link if you got it. Yeah. Wonder if she was able to make connection. Yeah, I'm not sure. Mm. And if, if she did, it was probably heavily drama. Dr- Dramatized? Dramatized? Yeah, for TV. Yeah. Because who... Wow. Dramatized for TV? Never heard of it. Who would have thought? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. So they're just... It just seemed like there was never a lead 
There was never a thread that the police could follow. Yeah. But it also isn't like they tried. And let's be honest, it would have been really different if they found a 12-year-old white girl in a ditch. Yeah. Dead. Yeah. We're just going to put it out there. Yeah. Which is frustrating. But I think it goes to show that in many ways, New Zealand celebrates Indigenous culture. It's very interwoven into being a New Zealander. But in a lot of other ways, there, it's systemically, there are still issues and sometimes I feel like it does get looked over because, A, it's much worse here. Mm-hmm. Um, so by comparison, people like, just being here, people over in Australia. But, and then secondly, yeah, because it's like um, so... Yeah, you have a lot more good, nice things to look at. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what I'm trying to like, say. Oh, um, women of colour are still so disproportionately affected by violence. You can just be like, oh, look, we have... People who de- give you a welcoming dance at the airport. Yeah, yeah. As there are good things, there are also still a lot of issues. And this was 30 years ago, but yeah, like her mom brought this big family over to New Zealand and struggled mm. to get off the ground with that. So I think it just point. it's a good example, let's say. And then just how she was treated in the investigation. It's just a good example that still an issue in New Zealand... I'm not going to comment on it too much because I'm not thoroughly educated in it. But, yeah, it's good to be aware, I guess. Yeah. That's all we're about. Yeah. We're just about making your tank, you know. Mm. Yeah. I guess we'll conclude this episode with a quote from journalist Du Chateau. Is that how you say it? Du Chateau? That's their surname. French is coming through. In her Metro piece about this case, she said that Agnes died of, quote, neglect and betrayal. She was let down by her adopted country, her family, and community. The police, the DSW, which is the Department of Social Welfare, the hormones that gave her a woman's body with a child's trust, and most of all, by the person she should most have been able to trust. I agree, although I think it should be people, because the mother, the pastor, the police, everyone you should be able to trust. Mm-hmm. The the um the social workers. Yeah. But yeah. Really is just all round awful. Awful. Horrible vibes. Yeah. But now you guys know about it. Yeah. Guess it's good that we've been able to shed some light at least. Yeah. On an unsolved case. Yeah. Guess if you're listening and you were around in that at that time, you know? Let us know. What you thought about it. Yeah. And what was, like, what was going on? We'd love to get, yeah, some local knowledge. Yeah, because um, we didn't exist at this point. We didn't exist, so <laughs> we're going to need some help. <laughs> this was um, six years before either of us were even a concept. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's just a call out to us. Well, then. Thank you for joining us. You're a super sleuth now. Yeah. Hit me up for your sleuthing needs. Yeah, hire her as I'm, your PI. Yeah, I can... Get it done. Stalk an Instagram. <laughs> I can find things out. Great. On that note... We'll see you next week. Yeah. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.